Welcome to the Hope Fellowship Podcast, where you can listen to our weekly walk through the Bible. We do hope you enjoy your time with us today. Please check us out at hopehogesville.com. And if you feel led to support our ministry, please click the link in this episode's description. Now here's this week's walk through the Bible. Starting in verse 13, let's kind of take a look at that. Acts chapter 13, verse 13. Uh, through 43. Now I'm not going to read all the way through 43 just yet. Just going to read a section and then we're going to kind of walk our way through it. So he says this. Now Paul and his companions put out to sea from Paphos and came to Persia and Pamphylia, but John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But going on from Persia, they arrived at Pisidian Antioch, and on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading of the law and the prophets, the synagogue officials sent them saying, sent to them saying, Brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say it. And Paul stood up and motioning with his hand, said, Men of Israel, And you who fear God, listen. All right, so just a little recap. They have sailed from Cyprus and they came to the region of Pamphylia, to the cities of Pisidian, Antioch. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and they sat down and uh, there was a reading of the law and the prophets in the synagogue. And that was very common. The people would gather together in the synagogue. synagogue. There were usually multiple synagogues, depending on how big the city was. These were gathering places for the Jewish people and the God-fearing people, and they would listen to the reading of the Law and the Prophets. Sometimes people would expound on it. Sometimes they would just read it. But, um, but generally, there was a weekly exposure to the Word of God, and they were listening to what God said. And after the reading of the Law of the Prophets, uh, the officials, the synagogue officials, they, went, they sent a message to um, Paul and his companions and said, if you have any word of exhortation for us, anything that maybe you would say to our people, then we're inviting you to stand and share what you would have to say. And so they were given an invitation to speak before all the people that were gathered at the synagogue. And so Paul stood up and he motioned with his hand to get everybody's attention. And he said, men of Israel and you who fear God. And so that's a reference to maybe the Jews as well as non-Jewish people that believed in God. And uh, so it's, it's gathering the attention of anybody who might be interested in worshiping God, fearing God, honoring God, living for God, not necessarily believers in Jesus. So this wasn't necessarily a gathering of the church, of the early church, maybe a group of believers in Jesus. This was a synagogue that's a little bit different than a church, okay? Churches were, gather- were gatherings of people who had in common their faith in Jesus Christ, The synagogues were gatherings of God-fearing people, but not necessarily Christians. All right, now, Christians were probably present in those locations as well. So anyways, he said, gathering all their attention, he said, I want you to listen. Now, I'm going to fast forward a little bit and get to, and after he says listen, he preaches. He preaches a sermon to the people. 
And we're going to kind of break that down, but I'm going to skip ahead and read to you the end of the sermon, the application that he gets to, so you can just kind of know where he's going with this. This is kind of the heart of the message. In verse 37, or verse 38, after he preaches everything that he's going to say, in verse 38, he says, therefore, and that's kind of the, after everything I've just said, this is the point. This is the point of what I'm trying to get you to understand. He says, therefore... Let it be known to you, brethren, that through him, that's Jesus, he's already been talking about Jesus, through him, Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And through him, everyone who believes is freed from sins, or is freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. So that word freed, meaning justified. And so we're going to come back and really kind of walk through that. But, but that's the heart of his message. He says, everything that I've preached to you and everything that I've said to you today about Jesus Christ, here's the point. He's looking at these God-fearing people. He's saying, I know that you're seeking God. I know that you are seeking to revere God and honor God and worship God with your life. And you seem to believe in the existence of God. And you seem to have some sense of fear of God. But what you need to understand is that Jesus is the Christ and he is the fulfillment of everything that God has promised to you and everything that you hold dear to your heart about God, you need Jesus. So it's not enough to just believe in the existence of God. What you need is Jesus. And then Jesus came and by his coming, he has preached to you forgiveness, meaning that what you need is forgiveness from your sins. And Jesus is that forgiveness. And he says the condition there is belief. He says that it is for everyone who believes. All right, that's the heart of his message. So let's kind of rewind a little bit and walk through. I'm going to point out uh, several things that I think uh, stand out to me from what, uh, what he preached to the people. The first one is that he kind of walks through the story of the God of Israel. He kind of recounts some of the history of the Israelite people, and that's near and dear to the heart of the Jews. They tell those stories to their children all the time when they're sitting around at their, um, at their, in their homes. That's the stories they tell in their living rooms or in, uh, around food while they're sitting and eating. And uh, these are the stories that they're reading from the law and the prophets when they're gathering together in the synagogues. And so he is touching on their history. He's touching on their, their heritage, and he's saying, I know that you believe in these things. These are the things that are true that we all agree on. And so he says, this is the history of the God of Israel. But then he walks through uh, who, he, he tells the story specifically of the Savior, Jesus Christ. He mentions that part of the history of the God of Israel is the sending of Jesus, and he talks a little bit about how the Jewish people received Jesus. And then he preached from there, he says, uh, he preached the good news of the promise of God, where he identified the fact that God had been promising through prophecy for generations specific things about the Messiah, and Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise, and we have a great assurance of salvation in that. That's where he goes with his sermon. And then he lands on this, this message of forgiveness. So let's walk through the verses. Verse 16, men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. The first instruction that we all have 
to the reading of God's word is to listen. Obviously, if we don't listen, then we're not going to get anything out of it. Uh, and so his first instruction is, this is important. You need to hear what I'm saying. So listen. And then he says in verse 17, the God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. So he's rewinding and going all the way back to the land of Egypt. And if you read your Bible and you've studied a little bit of the Old Testament, or if you've been to vacation Bible school when you were a kid or Sunday school classes, you've heard a lot of the stories. Um, and God created uh, Adam and Eve in the garden. Adam and Eve sinned, and they, brought, they, they broke the law of God. And, uh, and as a result of their sin, there was a curse that entered this world. And everyone who was born after that was born in sin. But God made a way for forgiveness through the sacrifice of the blood of the lamb. And then he chose Abraham and his family and gave a promise to Abraham that he would bless them and he would provide for them. He would take care of them. He says, I will be your God and you will be my people and I will protect you. And he promised them a land that was flowing with milk and honey. And he promised Abraham that there would be children that would outnumber the sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky, that his descendants would would be great. And, uh, and then we follow the people of Israel and we get to this place where um, the, the, uh, um, the Abraham's son Isaac was born and then jo uh, Jacob was born and then there were 12 sons that were born to Jacob. And we read about the 12 uh, son, the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob's name became Israel. All right, and uh, the 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel uh, in a general sense. There were a few of those sons that, um, anyways, we'll get back to the history of all that later. So, but there were 12 tribes of Israel. But as a result of uh, their struggles and their sins, they eventually wound up in slavery. Now, uh, there was a great famine. Um, God saved the people through Joseph. He led the people to Egypt, and then they wound up in this great slavery in the land of Egypt. And then the kings of Egypt forgot about jo um, forgot about Joseph, and they um, uh, and they forgot about uh, the God of those people. And these people wound up being greatly oppressed. And the Lord then intervened by raising up Moses and setting them free. So you kind of, you, you can remember some of these histories, and that's what he's calling them back to. He's saying, God has led our people out of Egypt. He made the people great during their stay in Egypt. And he says, with an uplifted arm, he led them out from it. For a period of about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. So remember, after God led the people out of Egypt, he parted the Red Sea and led them across the Red Sea, and then they lived in the desert for 40 years. But if you remember, in the desert for 40 years, they grumbled and they complained. God gave them food and water and protection from their enemies every day, but they still complained and they said, I wish that we, it would have probably have been better for us if we just go back and be in slavery. But God put up with them. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, that was the promised land that he said he was going to give them, he distributed their land as an inheritance, all of which took about 450 years. So over the course of about 450 years, 
God led the people into the land that he promised to give them. So it took a really long time. So anyways, then he says here in verse 20, after these things, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. So uh, the people were going about in the land, um, in the promised land, basically doing whatever was right in their own eyes, which ultimately was just sinful. Because when human beings with, in our human nature do what's right in our own eyes, we typically sin. And we live in sin and we walk in sin. And so they needed a guidance. They needed leadership. And so God provided that for them. He gave them the law and he gave them the judges. And the judges, their job was to lead the people in repentance back to the Lord, doing what's right in the sight of God. So when you read the book of Judges, that's what's happening. But then God gave them Samuel, the prophet, and the people wanted a king. And so God, uh, so the people chose for themselves Saul. Uh, it says here in verse 21, they asked for a king and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. And after he had God, he being God had removed him because Saul was very wicked. God removed Saul from being king. He raised up David to be their king concerning whom he had also testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all my will. So remember David was one that was chosen by God to be in that position of king. David had a character and a heart that loved the Lord. And God said, he is a man after my own heart. We remember those stories about David. So you're kind of getting a little bit of a recap of the history of Israel and the history of the God of the Israelites and how God has protected them for generations and taken care of them and honored his promise to them. And then in verse 23, it says from... The descendants of this man, being David, from the descendants of David, according to God's promise, according to the promise God has brought to Israel, a Savior, Jesus. Now, Paul is being very specific here because they had already read about the promise that God would send a Savior as a descendant of David. And they've been looking for the, the fulfillment of that promise. They've been hoping for the fulfillment of that promise. They were looking for a king that would be like David, a man after God's own heart, who would rule with power and with glory. But that's not exactly what they got. They got a king who was much bigger than the perspective that they had. And Paul said, the king that you receive from the Lord is Jesus. And he was very specific. He says, Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. And then in verse 24, he talked about John the Baptist. So he's going, he's doing a real quick picture of history. Went all the way back to Egypt, and now he's at John the Baptist. He's gone all the way through how God's taken care of them and provided them through through the prophets and the judges and the kings and um and the miracles, feeding them in the desert for 40 years and getting them out of Egypt and slavery. God's taken care of them. Now he's at John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, uh, he says this in verse 24, after John had proclaimed before his coming a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, and, with, and while John was completing his course, he kept saying, Who do you, what do you suppose that I am? I am not he, but behold, one is coming after me, the sandal of whose feet, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. So John the Baptist came proclaiming Jesus as the Savior who was coming to save the world. Now, um, just a couple of things to note about the God of Israel that I think stood out to me, just characteristics of God. One is that he chose his people. Out of all this world, he set apart a people for himself. 
He set apart a people that he was going to uh, save, that he was going to love, and that he was going to provide for and take care of. And whatever, by whatever, um, uh, even through the cost of sacrificing his own son's life to bring their salvation, he was going to provide salvation for this people. None of the people of earth deserve the love of God because we are all born in sin. And we are all wicked at heart. We all deserve to be judged by God. But the Lord, by his mercy and his kindness, while we were still sinners, loved us and demonstrated his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what it says in Romans 5, 8. So this is what God has done for us. So God has chosen to set apart a people to love and to care for. And the, those people were originally the Israelite people, the Jewish people, the, the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They became known as the Israelites. They also became known as the Jews. All right? So the Jewish people. But all along, God had kind of been grafting into that family people that were not born in that family. And that is a hope for all of us. Because by faith in Jesus Christ, we are grafted into that family. So God has chosen to love his people. He builds his people up and he protects his people. We saw that through Egypt and in the desert. We also see that God is a patient God. God is very patient and he demonstrates long suffering. Uh, he endured the grumbling and the complaining and the griping of his people for years and years and years. In fact, there were several times where he, um, the people were so wicked and evil, worshiping false gods in the desert, even after everything God had done for him, for them. They, were, they created a golden cow and were worshiping that as though it was God. God was giving them his law. He was appearing before them on, the, on a mountain in smoke and fire. And he was speaking to them through Moses and he was giving them water and he was giving them manna, but yet they were worshiping false gods and they were grumbling and complaining, saying it'd be better for us if we were still slaves in Egypt. But yet God, it says here, put up with them. He endured their human nature because he was honoring the promise that he made for them. And uh, we see that he leads his people. He did not leave them to wander in that sin and wickedness. He led them out of that. He, he constantly convicted them and led them to a place of repentance through Moses and through the judges and through various forms of judgment and punishments. So you see the pattern in Israel. The people would follow God and worship God and love God. And then they would sin against God and rebel against God. And then God would punish them. And then they would repent and worship God and love God and 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 honor God, but then they would sin again, and God would have to punish them, and then they would repent. It was this cycle. When you read the Old Testament, if you were to try to do a fast reading of the Old Testament, I think you would see that begin to take shape. You'd see, okay, here we're seeing that little cycle of sin start to roll in all of God's people, but you see the character of God in the midst of that demonstrating his eternal love and kindness and his patience, and his endurance, and his long-suffering, but you also see justice. He gave his people knowledge of right from wrong, and then he did not leave them in their sins. He gave them what they ultimately needed the most. What they wanted was a land flowing with milk and honey that was amazing and perfect and 
full of abundance and riches, and they wanted a king who would protect them from all their enemies, but what they desperately needed was forgiveness from their sins so that they could be in right relationship with their creator. That's the same need that all of us have to this day. That's what every person on this earth needs is to be in right relationship with our creator. And the, our deepest need is a need for forgiveness, is a need to be made right with God. And so God provided that through Jesus. So by preaching this to the people, Paul was reminding all these God-fearing people or some of these people that were listening in at the synagogue, and he was saying, he was saying to them, I want to remind you of your history of how God has done all this stuff for you. God has done all this for his people, but he has also provided a savior, and that savior is Jesus Christ. And then we see the message of salvation in Jesus. And he goes into a little bit of detail about who this Jesus is and how they treated Jesus. And he says in verse 26, brethren, sons of Abraham's family, because you remember uh, Paul's a Jew, so when he's looking at Jewish people, he calls them brethren. So he's kind of appealing to their, their brotherhood in their nationality at this point. Not, it's not a spiritual brethren, so to speak, like we would call each other brethren, brothers or sisters, because we have Christ in common. Anyway, he's saying brethren, sons of Abraham's family, and those among you who fear God, to us the message of this salvation has been sent. So now he goes into a little detail about the message of salvation, specifically Jesus. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, recognizing neither him nor the utterances of the prophets which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled these by condemning him. So basically he said, he said, these, those people that were living in Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus. They didn't recognize that Jesus was the fulfillment of all the prophecies, even though they listened to the reading of the prophecies every Sabbath day. Every Sabbath, they gathered and they listened to the prophets and they prided themselves in their knowledge that they knew all the facts. They knew all the details. They got everything right, so to speak. He says, even though they knew all this, when Jesus showed up as the fulfillment of all these things, they missed it. They didn't get it. And as a result, it says they condemned him. But by condemning him, they fulfilled the prophets, the prophecies all the more. Because there were a number of prophecies about the coming Messiah that were very specific about his condemnation and his death and his resurrection. And these people did not realize that they were part of the fulfillment of all of the prophecies of God. So he goes into detail about this and he says, for those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, recognizing neither him nor the utterances of their prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled these by condemning him. Verse 28. And though they found no ground for putting him to death, they asked Pilate that he be executed. And when they had carried out all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, the very ones who are now his witnesses to his people. So he says his own people didn't recognize Jesus. 
He was put to death, he was buried, and he raised from the dead. He's just giving them the basic story of Jesus. And then we get to the good news about the promise of God. That this is good news for us. This is good news for you. For all the God-fearing people in the world, this is good news because the promise of God is being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. In verse 32, we see the promise, the good news of God's promise. In verse 32, he says, and we preach to you. So now he's saying, I'm preaching to you people. I'm preaching to you, God-fearing people, my brethren, the good news of the promise made to the fathers. Verse 33, that God has fulfilled this promise to our children and that he raised up Jesus as it is also written in the second Psalm. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. So he's basically saying Jesus was the fulfillment of the prophecy from Psalms chapter 2 verse 7. And they knew that Psalm. They'd studied that Psalm. They said Jesus fulfilled that. And then he kept on talking. He said, as for the fact that he raised him up from the dead, no longer to return to decay, he has spoken in this way. Again, he, he reads another prophecy. He says, I will give you the Holy One and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, you will not allow your Holy One to undergo decay. So now he's He's preaching about Isaiah chapter 55, verse 3. And he's preaching about Psalms chapter 16, verse 10. He's quoting to them scriptures that they knew. He's saying, you read these prophecies. You know these prophecies. These are all about the Messiah. Jesus fulfills them, especially in this. He says, listen to this one about not undergoing decay. Because in Psalms chapter 16, 10, it says that God's Holy One would not undergo decay, meaning that he would not rot like a mortal man. Now, Jesus was killed and he was buried, but we know three days later he rose from the dead. And then he compares him with David. In verse 36, he says, For David, now remember, he's already mentioned David once. And what did he say about David? David was um, uh, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, is what God said. A man after God's own heart. And from the descendants of David, uh, the promise of God was going to come. So everyone revered David. But what do you say about David? Paul was saying, you, this, your patriarch, David, the one you revere, the one you love, he's dead. And he rotted in the grave. Good man, somewhat, but he's dead. And he says, Jesus is different. Jesus is not the same as David. He's not just another man. He is mortal. He is a man, but he's more than that. He's also deity. He says uh, in verse 38, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. But he whom God raised did not undergo decay. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed you. So we see all the promises of God fulfilled in Jesus Christ. This message is good news because it fulfills God's longtime promise. So it's a reassurance that God keeps his promises. And for these God-fearing people, he was looking at them and saying, listen, this is assurance that the God that you believe in is faithful. 
He does love you and he does care for you and he is providing for you. You have to understand that for generation after generation after generation, people are waiting for the Savior. Remember, they've been studying the Savior and they're trying to hold out hope. And you have to remember, if you kind of go back and study the Old Testament, when you get to the, uh, to the prophets, the major prophets and the minor prophets, kind of read about all these prophecies. Then there was this period of over 400 years before Jesus was born. They didn't hear anything from prophets or anybody. All they had was what was already written. And they were doing their very best to hold on to what they believed to be true to their history, to their heritage, to all the stories that have been passed down to them from generation to generation, but they were beginning to doubt and they were beginning to struggle and they were beginning to wonder about the existence of God, this God that has made all these promises. Now, some of these people doing, you know, they had held on to this hope that had been passed down for all these generations by by some means of God's grace, they were still God-fearing people, but yet they had not heard about Jesus. And so Paul was coming to them with the good news saying, listen, you can be assured that everything that you've held on to about God is true and God is faithful and God does love you. God does care for you and he has not forgotten you. And I think that's a great assurance for us as well, especially when we look at the times And we see the difficulty of the culture that we live in and all the things that are going on in the world. And we wonder, why is God allowing all these things to continue the way they are? We don't really know what God's will is regarding all of these things. But we do know that God is faithful, that God is true, that God does love his people, that God does care for his people, and God does keep his promises, and God will provide eternal salvation for his people, and that is forever secured by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit that he has sent to us. That's an assurance that we all hold on to. So after saying all that, after preaching all that to the people, he gets to verse 20, or 38, and he says, Therefore, everyone, let it be known to you. Meaning, meaning, I want you to know this. I want you to believe this. I want you to hear this. You need to know that Jesus is what you're looking for. Let it be known to you that through Jesus, forgiveness has been preached to you. You've heard it preached. You've heard it said. So then I guess if you've listened, if you've heard, then the only thing left to do is believe it and receive it. He says, forgiveness has been proclaimed to you, and through him, everyone who believes is freed from all things which you could not be freed through the law of Moses, meaning the law of Moses was not capable of setting you free from the slavery of sin. And that word freed means justified. It means that through Jesus, by believing in Jesus Christ, we are justified. Our greatest need is to be made right with our creator. But through Jesus, we can be justified to be made right with God. And that is a simple invitation for everyone hearing this message this morning, is that we all need Jesus. 
And if you're living in sin and you're not right with God, your creator, maybe you fear God. Maybe you believe in the existence of God. But maybe a relationship with Jesus, the Christ, the one who died and rose from the dead for your sins, maybe a trust and a faith in his blood to forgive you of all of your sins, maybe that's not ever been there. Maybe there's a need to cry out to Jesus for salvation, for the forgiveness of your sins, to trust in him. That's the basic invitation of his gospel message to those people. They knew the Bible. And they believed in God, but they needed Jesus. So he preached it to them. And he says, you need forgiveness. Forgiveness is here. Believe in Jesus Christ. And then he gives them the second thing he says in verse 39. Or in verse um, 40. He says, therefore, take heed. Take heed. Now that take heed means to see. He's already told them to listen. Now he's telling them to see. Now that see or to behold, that means to uh, ultimately he's what he's telling the heart of that is to receive it, to understand it, to believe it. He's basically saying, I've told you the message. Now I'm asking you to receive it, to see it and to believe it and to receive it. He says, there's a warning here. He says, because if you don't, he says, Take heed so that the things spoken of in the prophets may not come upon you. He says there's another thing that was prophesied by the prophets. And you need to be careful that you don't fall into this category. He says there's a group of people that will continue to be blind to this message and will not receive it. And they will always have a hard heart to it. Make sure you don't fall into that group of people. And this is what he says. Behold, you scoffers. This is the prophecy of old he's reading. He's saying you scoffers and marvel and perish for I am accomplishing a work in your days a work which you will never believe and that work is the gospel message of Jesus but he's telling them hundreds of years in advance that when Jesus comes you're not going to believe it you're not going to believe it and he says though someone should describe it to you meaning even though I'm sending people to describe it to you in detail you're still not going to believe and Paul's look at them saying, I'm here. God's done it. I'm telling it to you and I'm describing it to you in detail. You need to make sure you be- believe it. You need to receive it. You need to see it and understand it because this prophecy has been made. And I pray to God that that prophecy is not about you. And that's what he's expressing to them. And I think he already knows that the only way someone can truly see is by the leadership of the Holy Spirit. But he's, he's telling them that the prophecies of God are being fulfilled. And, the, and if you're at all wondering about the condition of your own heart, my encouragement to you would be not harden your heart against the Spirit of God drawing you to him. Draw near to the Lord and cry out to Jesus for salvation. A couple things to, for the believers in this room to rest on and to be encouraged by. Uh, The first one is be assured, be reminded, and be encouraged that we are forgiven. And uh, I feel like as we're going through the book of Acts, that's going to be a theme. I'm probably going to wind up preaching that every single week because that's the gospel message that's preached all through the book of Acts. But I think um, we need a reminder 
quite frequently that we're forgiven, especially when we have failed, when we have sinned. And we come back to Jesus and we're seeking repentance. It's good to be assured that we're forgiven. And then we are justified. We're right. We are made right with God. Our position before God is right. Even though we continue to struggle with sin, you can come back to the throne of grace every day and be assured that you are justified by Jesus. Not because of you, but because of Jesus. What a blessing. What an encouragement. What a hope. Rejoice in that. Pray over that. Ask the Lord to assure your heart again of those truths. And then the the last thing for us as believers is that um, there's a challenge here that we ought to keep keep seeking that the truth of God be spoken to us, to keep asking God to speak the truth to us. Because the, the, if you were to read this story, kind of go back through this, you'll see that after hearing all this, the people, they kept begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath day. After hearing this message, their ears perked up. Their heart was, um, was softened by the gospel, and it made them want more. And it made them want to say, please come back next week and preach it to us again. And there is a tendency for us as believers to grow dull to the preaching of God's word, sometimes because you get tired of hearing the same preacher's voice week after week after week. Sometimes because maybe you've heard the same stories a thousand times. But it's good maybe to ask the Lord to soften your heart again, that we not become callous to something that's so beautiful. I mean, we're going to become callous to a lot of painful things in the world, but God forbid that we become callous to the beautiful things in the world, to one of the most uh, rich blessings that we get to hold in our hands, the Word of God and the teaching of the truth. And uh, just pray that God would help us to, con- to keep begging him to tell us the truth, to tell us the truth. Thank you for listening to this week's Walk Through the Bible with Hope Fellowship. I leave you with these words from Numbers 6, 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.